What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. And as many of you have requested, we have a very special man with us today, uh, and we're actually going to be talking a lot about toxic masculinity. And this is a conversation that I actually haven't hosted before on the podcast, because as you'll meet Lenny eventually. Um, Lenny and I have very similar perspectives and understandings of masculinity, what it means to be a man, um, and how we need to kind of reshape this identity. Whereas some conversations that I posted with men have been more confrontational. Uh, So I'm really excited about this. This this podcast is going to be very relaxing for me. I'm going to learn from Lenny. I think we're going to learn from each other. Um, But without further ado... Lenny, I would love for you to introduce yourself, your pronouns, and just kind of give people a little idea of who you are. Yeah. Um, what's up, everybody? I'm Lenny. Um, I just graduated McGill with Felicia. Um, you graduated, right? No, I didn't. <laughs> my bad, my bad. You, what, one more year? One more year. Yeah. It's okay, all one good. More year. Okay, okay. Um, but I've been at McGill with Felicia since first year. Um, I don't know. I've just thought a lot about um masculinity and gender and Felicia has this awesome platform and has been doing a lot of a lot of thinking about this stuff so I think this was a it really jumped out to me as a great opportunity to talk about some stuff that that uh matters a lot to me um go by he him and I'm ready for awesome discussion I love that and you and I have kind of talked about this before but for people who like may not be familiar with what toxic masculinity is or what it entails what is that definition like to you? Yeah, I generally associate it with negativity. Um, so it's, I think for me, it's a lot of like putting others down in order to lift yourself up. Um, so you think about like pretty depreciating humor, like jokes at other people's expense. Um, but I think it also like there's a lot of negativity and talk about how the, there's no acceptable emotions except for anger, or horniness or occasionally joy. Um, and this needs to be competitive, to be dominant, to be um, strong and successful. Um, I think all of those aspects, though, cover a deeper insecurity and a deeper fear and a darkness because um, you can't really put other people down without also fearing that you yourself don't measure up. Um, and so I think that's what I'm interested in kind of uncovering in these discussions is more of that that fear and insecurity and turning that into hopefully more positive and sustainable um, thoughts about yourself and about the world. That was really beautifully said. Uh, I don't think I've ever said anything that nice on this podcast, (laughs) but I, I do really appreciate that because I feel like, especially with like new waves of feminism and new understandings of masculinity, it's really, really easy to just kind of be like that person sucks or that's just, you know, that's toxic masculinity. And then you just kind of look at it as, as for what it is. But I, I, re- I really like that understanding of like, what are they hiding? Like, why are they reacting like this? Like everybody, you know, there's like those corny sayings of like hurt people, hurt people, but it's really, really true. And it's, it's really, really evident in the way we see men in like modern day society and, and the way we understand psychology too now. Um, mm-hmm. So I know I, I, I was just thinking, um, I remember someone saying that anger and violence are just unprocessed forms of grief and of pain. Um, and I think we see that. And so often 
we see the only acceptable outlet for men is through anger. Um, but that's just, that's just a, like a rough draft of an emotion is what I, I think of it as. Um, I think also boys and men today are in a bit of a dangerous place because there's a lot of conflicting um, messages about what they shouldn't be and what they can't be. So it's like, don't show emotion. Don't be weak. Don't be a pussy. But at the same time, like, don't be so emotionally unavailable. Don't be so afraid to ask for help. Um, don't be so distant. And I think that's kind of a rough place when guys are getting all these messages about what they shouldn't be, but there's not the corresponding messages and positive examples of what they can be and what they should be. Um, and that's the hope. That's what I think a lot of the work needs to be done with is in kind of switching that message to be something more positive and highlighting examples of men who embody more positive versions of themselves and positive existences in the world and showing guys that you don't have to like completely change who you are to be a more healthy person. I don't know if that also makes sense. No, it does. It does. And I think this is like why representation really matters um especially like with this notion of like you can be this new defined man you can be this like new representation of masculinity and you don't have to be like all of these kind of like radical notions you were kind of talking about like a lot of these negative notions and then a lot of these more like fruity notions of kind of how we're trying to like put men and it doesn't have to be so black and white you can be in the middle and still be like a good person um, so kind of going back, cause obviously this was a journey for you as a man and trying to figure out like what type of man you want to be. Um, what was your understanding of like masculinity before encountering, um, potentially like the feminist movement or the feminist awakening, or at least the, like, m- in my opinion, the mainstream kind of archetype of feminism because i know that there's radicals but that's not what we're talking about (laughs) um honestly i didn't really have one um there was just never a lot of conscious thought about like what does a man do what does a man look like um i think for a lot of i think my experience was similar to the experience of a lot of guys where these all these messages about what you should and shouldn't be are very um kind of subconscious and these very subliminal messages that you don't really think about consciously. And that's where I first, I think where feminism was important for me because women were just much further along than men in terms of talking about gender and talking about patriarchy and like the specific ways that it manifests itself and how to kind of undo some of those, some of those things. Um, And so realizing that way, like a lot of the work of feminism isn't just like the emancipation of women, but it also directly links to the emancipation of men. And it was through the work of like feminist authors and and, uh, scholars that I started to see and learn how the patriarchy actually hurts men too, and can be very restrictive towards men and kind of makes them suffer in silence without being able to express who they may truly be. So why do you think it's important for men and women to kind of host these conversations together instead of like separately? Um, one, there's just so much you can learn from other people. Like I've learned so much from the work of feminists and a lot of it because I feel like there haven't been conversations of, of men, by men, for men about gender. Um, a lot of my thinking has kind of just been thinking about things I've heard discussed in groups of women and trying to flip that and imagine that in a male context. So um, 
issues around body image. Most of that messaging is directed towards women, but men struggle with that too. And so listening to all the articles that I've read, all the like things I've watched talks about like is clearly directed at a female audience. Um, but trying to figure out how can I address this towards men talking about um, women and their relationships with sex um, and the, like, the extent to which pe- women define themselves through validation from a sexual partner. Men struggle with that too. Um, so just trying to flip that and think about that from a more um, male perspective. So I think it's important to have those conversations with women and with feminists because there's so much to learn. But I think also men need to have those conversations with themselves because these social pressures affect men in a different way than they affect women. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think that like, because women have been socialized to be these like empathetic communicative creatures, it's very like, it's not easier for us, but there's just more spaces for us to host these conversations. Whereas for men, there just aren't spaces. I think I remember us talking about this once and you were like, you told me about this like kind of after school group that you had in high school uh, where men would like come in and like talk about, oh, am I getting this wrong? But it was just kind of like an uh, a space where men would kind of talk about like what it means to be a man or it was like an after school program situation where like, was it with you? I don't remember. I could be very wrong, but somebody basically told me this story about how in high school there were um, kind of like after school leaders, like obviously young adults coming in and talking to young boys about like what it means to be a man and like redefining that narrative. And I was like so shocked because I was like, I've never heard of spaces where like one like men are hosting these conversations but also like other men are interested in being involved in these conversations too um I even find now like with my own group of like friends and even like my brother these conversations are really only hosted on like an intimate like level where it's like one-on-one or like in a small group of people like you trust but never like on grander schemes I don't know if you see those like funny there's like TikToks of like these like really alpha guys like doing like dating confidence seminars and like it's just so it's so bad but like those are the only spaces I see for men and I'm just like oh this is so sad well it's interesting so if you look um just like doing research and getting background information for this podcast I was just typing in like masculinity into YouTube and the videos that you get are very split some of them are like this much more feminist inspired um, like positive, emotionally healthy, empathetic masculinity. Others are like, oh, the left has destroyed, like what it means to be a man, like Jordan Peterson type commentators um, and people like talking about how you need to like go back to your like prehistoric roots of like what's instinctive to you as a man and stuff. And um, so, but when you click on the videos, often in the titles, it's not clear which one you're clicking on. So you can completely be walking into like a conservative minefield or a very like liberal uh, liberal minded like presentation, but it's, it's hard to tell. And that's the thing. And I think, I think there really needs to be more spaces where boys have this more positive minded messaging. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that after school group, because that's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently is trying to maybe start, um, some sort of mentorship group, um, for boys and for men. Um, cause I think I know myself looking back, 
in middle and high school, I would have loved to have like older guys that I could talk to about this stuff. And just, um, I kind of mentioned earlier, having these positive examples of guys who don't follow all these masculine stereotypes, um, but are still very much like socially popular, um, like accepted people in society. Um, and so I'd love to try and help provide that for, for younger boys today. Um, so this is, it's very like beginning stages. I'm still going to have to figure out a lot of what that would involve. Um, but it's something that I think there could be a lot of really cool work around. Absolutely. And even now, like I'm teaching grade one and I see these kids and they're not like affected by the world at all. So mm. actually some of the, some of the kids that I'm, I work with that are the, like the most sensitive are the boys. And mm. I really, really am careful about like the language that I use around them because I really don't want to perpetuate anything. And like, I'm human. So I'm definitely like making mistakes. I, I don't think I'm like the spokesperson for how to talk to children, but um, I'm really conscious of what I, what language I use around like a, 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 a very emotional um, like young boy uh, because I really want to like foster that and I want them to feel like it's safe, especially at, at like that young age. But it's so funny because some of the girls are like so tough and they're just like ready to fight. And then I have these like boys who just want to like cuddle and cry with me. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is awesome. Yeah. I go through I, the football with the girls and then the boys are just like crying on oh. my own. <laughs> I saw, I saw um, someone was saying that like boys are socialized out of emotional intimacy whereas girls are socialized into emotional intimacy and I think you can really from what you said about kids at that young age I think you can really see that um and then once once they get to like the 12 13 14 that's when they kind of go to the dark side of the moon and it's like radio silence for a while yeah it's really interesting to watch kids especially at that young age and then kind of see what they will eventually turn into, which is like very frightening. Um, and I think a big thing that's kind of surrounded this narrative with toxic masculinity is kind of how toxic masculinity has kind of become an excuse for breaches of consent. Um, or I don't know if people would excuse obviously breaches of consent, but they can kind of associate toxic masculinity with why breaches of consent kind of happen. So how do you feel like these two things intersect and obviously like disproportionately like negatively affect women and granted negatively affect men too, because the people getting perpetrated are men and women, but predominantly by men. So big question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's one of the like most important reasons for us to talk about masculinity is just the prevalence of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Um, I looked up, so one in five women will be sexually assaulted while on a college campus and one in five women will be raped in their lifetime. Um, and those are just objectively really horrifying numbers. And I think we as a culture and especially we as men need to look into some of the broader social factors that lead up to an incidence of sexual harassment, assault, rape happening. Um, I think that there are some, definitely a decent number of cases of sexual assault that aren't necessarily motivated by some sort of malicious intent from the on the part of the perpetrator, but that there's a lack of understanding about consent, a lack of communication that happens. And 
we're seeing that these things have very real and very damaging consequences. And so that's why I'm hopeful that conversations about masculinity and kind of reimagining more positive versions of masculinity can um, hopefully have a big effect in reducing future sexual assaults. Um, just as we encourage men to talk more about one, just to talk more about how they're feeling and what's, what's going on in their head um, and about consent. Yeah. I, I think too, like communication is like at the core of this problem too, because one, like men aren't socialized to learn how to communicate effectively. Mm. And then they're also like kind of not socialized to like care or ask their partner. Granted, these are generalizations, but like every bisexual that I've ever spoken to has always said that like sleeping with like a femme or a woman has been a totally different experience than sleeping with like a male. Um, and that's like, like a large portion of the people that I've spoken to have said that it's because of communication. Um, Cause the men are just much less open to communicating. Yeah. Like they're, they're much less open to communicating to their partner about like what feels good or what they like. Um, I think also like porn contributes to this too. Like there's a lot of different like social factors and like your family and like the way you were like communicated to as a child, there's a lot of different things, but like just on that basis of like someone or a large like part of the queer community has kind of said that like sleeping with women is a very different experience than sleeping with men. And it's all on communication. It's like really interesting. I, um, so I was, I've been watching a couple of YouTube videos by um, the author Peggy Orenstein, um, who's written a lot of really good, she wrote a book called Girls and Sex and then a book later called Boys and Sex, but essentially just exploring the messages that we send to teenage girls and teenage guys and um, how those experiences can be kind of unique for, for girls and guys. Um, anyhow, she does really good works, but she, she was giving a talk and she was saying that um, when it comes to consent, you can learn a lot from the gay community um, or at least two people with penises because she says when they talk about consent, if both partners have penises, it's not assumed who's going to do what to whom. Um, and so instead of saying like, oh, is this okay as a question of consent, the, um, she says people ask more frequently, what are you into? Um, and she classified those words as like the magic four words um, because it's a much more open-ended question and one that's much more likely to start a conversation rather than kind of just checking a box, which I think sometimes we can fall victim to when talking about consent. Yeah. And I think too, as we're learning more about sex and sexuality and like intercourse itself, it's become like a lot less linear. Um, I think a lot of people just think like end game, like finishing, and then that's kind of mm. it. And it's, that's not how sex should be in my opinion but i think specifically for straight men uh a lot of like the assumptions about sex and like narratives surrounding sex have just been like getting to the end goal and now i think like within the last five years it's been a little bit more about your partner and at least getting your partner to finish right but I don't, that was not the, like, if you watch any early 2000s movie, like, every woman is so disappointed yeah. <laughs> for every <laughs> sex scene. And it's just so embarrassing to, like, watch. You're like, oh, my God, did she just let that, did he just let that happen? Like, did he think mm. that that was a good idea? Like, mm. but, well, and that's the thing is, we, I think we, there's a lot of work that we need to do in reimagining 
um, sex at right now, I think in a lot of ways, sex is a performance of masculinity, um, and kind of something like a, a battle scar one in a sense, in, a, in essence, um, or like a medal to, to be one. Um, but I think we need to start imagining it more as like an activity between two consenting partners that is ideally for going to be for both of your pleasure. Um, and not all sex is going to be good sex. You know, I think there's, we have this stereotype in, in our minds of like a guy has sex with a girl and then comes back to his male roommates and they're all like high-fiving and cheering um, because simply because they had sex, but instead of just having celebrating, having sex, like there's not really questions asked about like, well, how was it? You know, because there's, it's not necessarily going to be good. Yeah. And I think that's a conversation that's also more hosted by women than men. Cause I feel like this notion of sex is like, you know, like another trope or another like notch on your belt or whatever. But for women, because it's been a more complicated journey for like pleasure focused sex. Uh, like I've had so many, like whenever one of my good friends sleeps with somebody it's not just like woohoo high five it's like well was it good did you enjoy yeah. it like yeah. were you okay <laughs> yeah um but I also think too that that's like because I've seen so many people that I love and care about have such negative experiences with sex not only like just with bad sex but just like with like non-consensual acts happening during sex mm-hmm. sex and like you know even like breaches of consent like throughout Mm -hmm. sex like you can consent to certain things and say no to others and like I think that that's also something where like the more inquisitive questions come from me or my circle it's because we've seen our friends or like the people we care about suffer at the hands of like other people that's the thing too so okay so what one in five women uh in like the course of being at university are gonna experience sexual assault so then there has to be people perpetrating those assaults. So then are we looking at one in five men or is it a smaller men perpetrated, smaller number of men perpetrating like the majority of those assaults? But like, regardless, we think a lot, we have these images of like the survivors of these incidents, but what about the perpetrators and the fact that there's a good chance that we're friends with someone like that, or like we live with one of those people or that we ourselves have been in a situation where we haven't checked in appropriately um, or where we've crossed boundaries. And I think there's a lot of guys that may not looking back, may not even realize, or it's only after looking back after a few months, a few years that they realize like, Oh shit, maybe that wasn't okay to do with that girl. Um, so I think, I think that makes the importance of these conversations just like a lot more clear. Yeah. Um, I have actually, because I'm on the, like, because I'm a woman. So I've never actually had that introspective thought of like the perpetrators. Cause like, I just, to be honest, like, I just don't care. Like I'm just more worried Mm. about my safety. Uh, So like, I've never, I've never thought about that. And that's like a really interesting pill to like, (laughs) even though I'm not in the, like, it's hard. I I definitely like with some of my male friends, it's kind of like you think back to all the different experiences you've had and be like, did I like check in appropriately? Did we have that dialogue looking back? Did it seem like she was uncomfortable at all? Um, Obviously we only are going to know like one half of the story, but um, yeah, 
I don't know. It's, it is, it is kind of fucked. And honestly, I've also become a lot more reluctant to classify men as like quote unquote good guys. Like say if I meet someone be like, Oh yeah, he's a good guy. Like he's, he's a good lad. Like he seems like he's got like the proper values and stuff because hearing about these statistics and how common sexual assault and harassment is any like potential like red flags that I see just in interactions with men. I imagine like, okay, but when you're like drunk as fuck and you're like really trying to hook up with someone and like this person seems like they could be sexually available, like which side of you is going to come out Um, and seeing like, again, a lot of acts of sexual misconduct aren't necessarily motivated by some evil intent, but just a lack of communication, misunderstanding uh, men taking things for granted um, and have feeling a sense of entitlement and being like, yeah, I very much could imagine people I've met having done some of that stuff. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> got really dark. <laughs> no, you're really uh, bringing out like an experience that I, I had when I was, how old was I? I was like 19. I like was making out with a guy and he wanted to go further than I was comfortable. And I, I said no multiple times. And then I like physically got out of the room, like luckily. Um, and then like a year and a bit later, he actually came up to me and apologized. Mm. And in the moment I was really uncomfortable because I just like, after that experience, I just didn't like, I, I never felt like physically, I don't know. It's hard to even like, Cause I, I didn't really think about it after I kind of just like put it away. And then when he apologized, I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. But like, I, I probably still haven't processed the whole experience, but it's cause then it's interesting too, like being the woman on the other side. Like, I don't think this guy had, I don't know what his intentions were. I don't, I don't, frankly don't care. Ultimately he did the right thing. He did apologize and I'll give him credit like where credit is due. I think that that was like compared to some other experiences, like a very mild one, but it's really interesting. Like you talking about like hosting these conversations with your friends and with men, because it's like, how do we start hosting those conversations and like, communicating obviously men to men. Cause like I can go in a room and talk to men for hours and hours and hours. Half the time they're not listening to me. Um, and that's just it. So, and like this podcast too, like this isn't a podcast for men. Um, even though men should listen, uh, it's not like marketed towards them. And frankly, they don't right. care. Cause it's not something that like direct directly, like negatively affects them. Right. So Right. Yeah, how do we start? Yeah. Um damn, you circled this back brilliantly back to the the, <laughs> the questions and the topic. Um I think oh wait, what was the what was the question that you asked though? I got distracted in the in the it's okay. So why um, is it important to discuss how men interact with men? Like how do we start yeah, hosting yeah, these yeah, conversations yeah, 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 amongst yeah, yeah. ourselves? Or yeah. amongst men, I'm not involved. um something that i've discovered is i think guys are very willing and ready to have these conversations but they just won't necessarily bring it up on their own um but that if you ask guys about 
some of these things about how they're feeling about experiences they've had, um, about pressures that they feel to be a certain type of man. Um, they're very willing to talk. Um, I think it's also especially important to have these conversations um, among men because there's also just a lot of stuff that guys will say among other guys that they won't say in the presence of girls. Um, I had that experience in my high school. We would have a lot of speakers talk about um, different aspects of identity, about sexuality, about gender. Um, and the people, the guys who needed to hear those messages the most would be the ones in the back of the, the auditorium on their phones or taking a nap in the corner. Um, and they ended up having the effect of, in public, those more like non-PC or more um, like frat boy type attitudes weren't acceptable. But in those smaller circles, if they were just among themselves, those attitudes very much continued to exist. Um, so I think I'm hopeful that... Um, men having these conversations with other men. And honestly, I think having a space where guys can express some of those uglier attitudes is important um, because I think it's only by like letting people express the more ugly parts or the ugly aspects or less politically correct aspects of their personality. I think it's only through that that you can actually address those things and address the root the root feelings or causes of those emotions. Um, I think privilege ties in massively as well. Um, I was speaking with, with uh, Jake Stika, who's, he's the founder of, um, or co-founder of Next Gen Men, which does a lot of really good work around um, like reimagining positive masculinity, working with young boys that I think they're just launching a way to work with corporations that are trying to re, um, like reshape their culture. But he was saying that um, it only counts to be an ally if you, if you speak up in spaces where you have something to lose. Um, so if you have actually the risk of losing social capital or losing friends, that's the only spaces that it really counts to speak up and be an ally. And so I think in those spaces where it is just men and guys are going to say some ugly things, that's where other men have an obligation and a responsibility to speak up and to, to try and um, push the dial and change, change the discourse that we have. Um, so a lot of big movements. It's a lot of big stuff. Um, but again, like I, I am very optimistic. I think this is right. We, we've seen, we've seen wave, different waves of feminism going back to what, the early 1900s beforehand, you know better than I do. <laughs> um, um, and I think it really is time for us to talk more about men's role in all this. Cause like, like women know, women know about this shit. Women have been talking about this shit for a long time. Um, and at the end of the day, like, it's not, it's not women that we need to change the most. It's men. Um, and it's, it's a lot of like white men, men who are not politically involved, men who like, just don't really give a fuck and don't have to give a fuck. They can afford to be apathetic because they've only seen the patriarchy and the systems that we have working in their advantage. But I think educating guys and showing them how the patriarchy hurts them too, um, and how there's a much more positive way to exist in this world that that that's out there that sounds like some hippie shit but <laughs> I, I, I believe it though um 
I think a lot of us believe it. I think just a lot of us can't see it. But my favorite question to ask men, particularly you, uh-uh. is what in what ways do you think the patriarchy hurts men? Because I feel like, yeah, there's been so many movements of feminism and it's like, you know, peg the patriarchy, like, let's get him down. Like, we don't need him anymore. But it it really, really hurts men too. And I feel like we forget and we neglect that a lot, uh, like in our movements, especially because like, yeah, it hurts men, but it really disproportionately affects like any minority like way, way, way more. Um, But like, how does it hurt men for people who like still maybe aren't putting the dials together? Yeah, I'd say it just, it makes men suffer in silence. Um, So I was looking at, so UK data in 2017, over three quarters of all suicides were performed by men. Um, And men and women suffer from mental health difficulties at roughly similar rates, but Men are, I think, three times more likely than women to develop alcohol dependence um, and are just much less likely than women to seek out professional help. Um, and that's not a coincidence. You know, that's, that's directly tied to this idea that if men do seek out help, they're weak, that if you're a man, you should be able to str- be strong, do it on your own, not ask for assistance, just keep this like stiff upper lip and muscle through. Um, and that everything will work out that way. But we're seeing that that's just not the case. Um, so I'm hopeful that with these discussions of mental health um, and kind of revealing how the patriarchy does tell men that they need to suffer in silence, um, that men will be reminded that they don't suffer alone, um, that mental health difficulties are just a normal part of the human experience. Um, and that what they would have previously labeled weak and feminine, like that's just part of being a person. Um, so I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful that I'm hopeful that these discussions can can help men feel more comfortable in talking about um, how they're feeling. And I'm hopeful that you know um, things like alcohol dependence and suicide decrease. That part. I don't. I don't want to put that last part in. That last part was corny. Uh, no <laughs> I think it's so important uh, I really go 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 no, no I, I definitely agree just the, la- the last sentence um, tying it back to like decreasing suicide and, and alcohol dependence and it's not like it's bigger than that mm-hmm. uh, no I, yeah. I I think too like this whole like hosting these conversations and especially like hosting them amongst men ultimately it's going to lead to some sort of therapy, uh, whether it's like communal therapy or just like one-on-one therapy. I'm a huge advocate for therapy, but I think that like, we all need to do a lot of unlearning and relearning if we want to change men, women, and everyone in between. Um, And I think too, like these notions of masculinity, like I have so much internalized misogyny with my work ethic and it's super bad. Uh, and it's not like, it's not healthy. This whole like hustle until you have a fucking breakdown. Like that's not, no, that's no way to live. Uh, and I mean, that's like capitalism too. So that's its own issue in itself. But like, it's really interesting how, how toxic masculinity, like low key affects me as just like a femme presenting person too. 
No, I mean, both men and women are definitely affected by it. Um, I had a sexual experience a couple of years ago where um, I was new to McGill. I was hooking up with a girl and she was, um, she was, I was talking to her about consent and saying like, oh, I feel like it's important to like, when you're hooking up with someone like explicitly say, oh, like, are you okay with this? Like, are you interested in doing this or that? And she was talking like, no, like that completely kills the mood. Like that is not necessary. Um, and I was talking about a lot of past experiences that she had had that the way she was talking about them didn't seem like she thought of them at all as a problem. But me hearing them, I was like, I had my eyes wide. I was like, yo, that is not right. Um, and that experience was one where like she, she very much tried to, pushed me to have sex with her when I was like much more reluctant um, and not as, not as interested because I hadn't had sex at that point. Um, and so I think we definitely do see elements of, of toxic masculinity that, that women uh, take in as well. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I kind of like that, that personal experience because I feel like men who kind of like divert from the norm in parentheses norm um kind of get put into like this feminine feminine box kind of like the Harry Styles uh like wearing a dress and it's just like the world is exploding because (laughs) he wore a dress whatever so like how important do you think it is for men to feel safe in expressing these quote-unquote feminine like emotions or just like forms of expression whether that's like through fashion or like through some sort of like interpersonal way of expressing yourself yeah I think um I think that's where most of the word needs work needs to be done is in providing those concrete examples and because I think guys see like okay there's right James Charles is a very feminine person um but they also a lot of guys wouldn't associate him so much with masculinity because he's openly gay. Um, And so I think giving guys examples of men who they already see as successful and already see as models of masculinity, showing them how these men reject some of those old masculine scripts, um, I think is, is very important to show that you don't have to sacrifice your social capital, your sexual desirability in order to be a healthier version of yourself. Um, I was also, I was just reading, um, this book mask off by JJ Bola, um, which I would recommend to people who are, uh, answering this conversation. It's masculinity redefined. Um, it's a pretty short read. Um, but he says that, um, there's seven, over 7 billion people on the planet. So that's over three and a half billion men. So there can't, and there shouldn't be any one way that a man should be. And so instead of having a norm of manhood, we should be open-minded and understanding enough to realize that there's a lot of different beautiful variations of manhood and masculinity. And that however, like the, your male identity might manifest itself, that doesn't make you more or less of a man. Um, and I think that was, I know that was, that was a very heartwarming message to hear because we talk a lot about, okay, men shouldn't be this. But even myself, I've had a lot of questions like, okay, so if men shouldn't be this, what should we be? Um, And realizing the answers, anything you want. 
I really like that. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah. I, like, I think, too, like, that perspective really, like, showcases how, like, binary our society is. Like, it's like, you can't be this, you have to be that. Or you can't be, like, and it's so interesting because we have all these waves of, like, intersectional feminism. And we want to talk about these different socioeconomic factors that, like, affect people. But then understanding how complex humans are on their own is just, like, such a strange concept for all of us to, like, get. Um and I don't know why, but no, I think that that's a really like heartwarming and like very calming thing to think about. Cause this is a very overwhelming conversation. Cause I'm essentially asking all men to really redefine and reevaluate and reflect. And that's like very fucking terrifying. Uh, well, that's the thing too, is like one so like people have these like seminars or workshops or whatever, like one workshop, one seminar is not going to undo thousands of years of education and indoctrination in the patriarchy. Um, but I think it's just by starting to have those conversations, you're hoping to get the ball rolling so that guys can sort of work to reimagine slowly in their own minds what it is they really like doing and who it is that they really are and separating that from this idea of who they feel like they should be. Um, and again, that's that's kind of my motivation behind trying to do something involving some sort of mentorship type group, because I think those messages are a lot easier to um, to work on with kids who are less like ingrained in this culture that we already have. Um, so I'm hopeful. I don't I don't that's that was also I wanted to mention the, the mentorship stuff to you because I, th- I figured you might have. Uh, good ideas or good good connections to tap into um but i think that could be something that'd be cool to do yeah we'll talk after the podcast because i already <laughs> yeah. have a few ideas but okay, no i i think like kids are they're sponges and even now with the pandemic they're so resilient to everything and it's so it's so bizarre how affected like us young adults and adults are but like the kids like they're fucking putting the mask on they don't give a shit they're still doing Mm. everything they would do before Mm. um but yeah I think like a big thing that I personally like struggle with in like the education sector is like I definitely think we have a good generation of young men coming up and hopefully like reshaping a lot of things with us uh I think rehabilitation is where I get stuck personally like as an educator and I'm just like, I don't know how to help these people like unlearn and relearn. I, I do a lot of trial and error with my dad. Uh, granted, it hasn't been super effective. So that's something that I really, really don't know how to move forward with. And I don't necessarily think you'll have the, the answer either. I think that's like a long psychological social like thing and it's even a conversation to have when you talk about like perpetrators of sexual assault like how do we rehabilitate them to come back into society and not be molesters or predators or you know pedophiles or but that's like another that's another conversation for another day and another dawn no I I, uh I just reminded me though so when I was I was talking to Jake Steeker the next gen men co-founder guy and um he was saying that when we talk about masculinity, almost all of the 
existing organizations that are in place are only only come into play after some form of trauma. So it's only after like a man is uh, sent like sentenced for domestic violence that he has to go to some sort of like support group or like anger workshop um, type of thing. It's all, it's our focus on masculinity is very much oriented towards the rehabilitation part or the punitive part of the conversation and not towards preventing those things from happening in the first place. Um, so I think, again, that's, that's where we have to, that's where we have to make a change. So for people who like are open to kind of hosting these conversations either amongst themselves or amongst their peers, like what advice, cause you've obviously been doing plenty of like reading and listening and learning. What advice would you give to them or like suggestions or recommendations for like a man and a woman? Cause honestly, I'm open to hosting these conversations on my own time, but I want to know the best way to approach it. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of the, like getting educated part, um, I'd say check out YouTube. Um, I think a lot of us are kind of lazy. It takes a long time and investment to read a book. YouTube videos can be anything from three minutes to an hour long. Um, there's a lot of really good stuff, really educational and informative stuff out there. Peggy Orenstein, um, she d- delivers talks on the books that she's written. I haven't actually read the books. I've only seen the talks, but the talks are brilliant. So I assume the books are great too. Um <laughs> Uh, what's his name? Justin Baldoni, the guy from um, Jane the Virgin. He has a book, uh, Man Enough. Yeah. Um, he's also, he's hosted, I think it's a YouTube series, but he hosts these dinners. Um, I think it might be called Man Enough as well, um, where he has different cele- male celebrities come over and they talk about their experiences with masculinity. And it can be really cool. Like he, I remember one, he had, uh, I think, a couple different boxers or MMA fighters. Um, and hearing these guys talk about masculinity in a pretty vulnerable way was really, really interesting. Um, I think in terms of actually having those conversations, a lot is a lot goes towards just asking the questions. A lot can be said of just asking those open-ended questions about how like someone's feeling and just talking a little bit about mental health in general. Um, in my experience, cause I've, I've had male friends who are very quiet when it comes to speaking about their own feelings. Um, and that was just a, never a part of our relationship. We wouldn't we just wouldn't really talk about that stuff. We'd have other, you know, have other stuff we'd talk about. We'd have a fun time. Um, but I was curious about what was going on inside their heads and how they were just feeling about all the experiences that we've been having and at some point I was just like fuck it like I'm gonna ask them these questions and if they're uncomfortable I'll let them say like I'd rather not talk about that I'd rather not answer that but I'm gonna leave that with them and I'm gonna put the ball in their court and so just asking them like how have things been oh you recently broke up with so-and-so like how has that been for you oh you know I see like things have seemed tricky with school are you like are you happy with where you're at um and I think hopefully at least what people discover is that guys very much are interested in talking about those things. Um, I think as guys, we don't feel comfortable generalization, but we don't feel comfortable opening up unless someone asks. So if I had a really hard day, if I had a, a fight with someone, 
I'm not necessarily going to feel so comfortable if I say we meet up and say like, oh, Felicia, I can't like, can you believe me and Govindi had this like really big <laughs> fight? Um, like, it's just been kind of tearing at me. I don't know how to deal with this. Like it really changed our relationship um, because I feel like I'm taking up the space in the conversation. I'm being like self-centered, only talking about myself. But if you were to ask me about that, that's a space where I'd feel a lot more comfortable talking about that. And I think that's common with, a lot of guys. Um, so giving them that space and asking those questions, I think a lot can be said for that. I think that's really interesting too, because it's funny, men take up so much space in conversations, except in this one particular mm. topic. Right. So it's like, as a woman too, I'm like, because you're like, let them take up space. And in my head, I'm like, don't they take enough space? But I'm like, <laughs> but truly, they don't in these specific, at least in these specific like domains. Right. So no, I really, I, I really do agree with that. Because I do think people are more open, they just might need to be prompted. Um, and then if people aren't open, they're not open. And that's like a human situation, like a human to human, just like, if they don't want to have those conversations, and they don't want to learn the only person that's going to teach them is themselves or at least help them unlearn is themselves. But no, I think that that's really, really helpful. And I'm really, really glad that we were able to kind of have this conversation. It was really easy on my end. This wasn't an exhausting one. (laughs) Less, less combative, hopefully than some past uh, conversations with men. That's yes. 100%. And I mean, those conversations are important to have too. I just need to take a two hour nap after them because it's <laughs> a lot of emotional labor. Yeah. Um, but thank you for coming on the podcast, Lenny. Do you want to like tell people where they can find you? If anyone wants to host these conversations with you? Yeah, sure. Um, my Instagram is Lenny Hanna, L E N N Y H A N A. Um, that's probably yeah, Lenny Hanna, Thomas Lenhardt on Facebook, but I don't really use Facebook that much. I feel like Instagram would probably be a more accessible platform. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really passionate about talking about these things. I love having these discussions. So if anybody has any ideas, questions, thoughts, um, please don't hesitate to hit me up. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you so much for uh, creating this space where we can talk about these things. It, it means a lot. well if you want to hear more episodes like this you can make sure you subscribe to the ladies let's talk about sex podcast on spotify or apple podcast we have new episodes coming out every monday thanks for listening okay i'm gonna pause